Well, we're going to read uh, some scripture for Luke chapter uh, 7, verses uh, 36 to 50. And this is a story of testimony as a woman enters the home of a religious leader and Jesus begins to direct his attention, not just to the woman, but to those who seem to be making judgments on her who stand around him. So let's uh, read from God's Word. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So he came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind Jesus at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed his feet, and poured perfume on them. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, that is Jesus, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner. But Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So the money lender forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied to Jesus, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your home and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she... She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And you did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. And you didn't pour oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. In the last century, uh, there was a journalist and uh, writer, broadcaster by the name of Marganita Lasky. She was English. She died in 1988. And Marganita Lasky was a, a humanist. She had no belief in God at all. But she would often appear as a panelist or being interviewed about all kinds of things. And in a conversation, in a debate with a Christian on television, she made this 
astonishing confession. She said, what I envy most about your Christian, about you Christians, is your forgiveness, your message of forgiveness. Then she added rather sadly, I have no one to forgive me. That's quite a confession to make. Then in her life, she felt that she had nowhere to go for forgiveness. And that what she longed for and what she needed in her own life, someone to forgive, even the quiet, private things that we only know. What she longed for and needed was the very God and the very gospel that she denied. Forgiveness. It is at the heart of the message of Jesus Christ. And it's what we all need and it's what we all want because there are things in our life that we carry and we carry through life and we wonder if we will ever know forgiveness. God forgives in Jesus Christ. And he does not want us to be carrying around within us and on our shoulders the things of the past that have so easily entangled us. And this woman comes as one who knew what it was to be forgiven. And you can see, you can tell, Jesus, is, that's what he's doing. He's pointing out, look and see. This is the life of forgiveness. It's what it looks like. This life of worship and love that is expressed from this moment, woman. And so I want us to look at this story, first of all, from God's perspective. His story, what Jesus sees, what God sees. And really, it's a, it's a lesson in forgiveness to the religious folk. It's a lesson in forgiveness to us. Because, of course, it, it's not the religious leader that is getting this idea of forgiveness. It's the woman who has a reputation in the town that they're in. She's the one who's experienced wonderful forgiveness. Forgiveness and grace and the love of God is found in this story in such an unexpected place that in a town where this woman was well known for her sin, that she would be the one who would be the example of what it means to live in forgiveness. The one that no doubt people pointed their fingers at. Look at her. Look at what she does. But she's experienced through Jesus forgiveness from God that makes everything new. As Jack keeps reminding us, Jesus changes everything. There's an outrageous grace about God's forgiveness. That even for a woman like this, if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, says it all. That for her also, forgiveness in Christ Jesus is real. And there's a great reversal that takes place because everyone in the story in some ways would have expected the Pharisee, the leader, to be the one who knows what it's all about. But by the time you get to the end of the story, it's all flipped on its head. 
Jesus is pointing at the women, the sinful women, and saying, actually, this is what it looks like to live in forgiveness, not like this Pharisee over here. A great reversal has taken place. And sometimes I think there is, both in the church but also in the culture, a kind of sense in which God only accepts or welcomes or forgives certain people, like religious people. And Jesus, from Jesus' perspective, that's all upside down. And he says, no, the forgiveness is for women like this. And so by the end of the story, we're in no mistake about who Jesus says is living now in the fullness of forgiveness and the love that comes from being forgiven. And it's the Pharisee whose heart and sin is exposed, that judgmental heart over this kind of woman. And so there's been a great reversal. Everything's turned up. It's not the first time Luke does this. If you go to Luke chapter 15, then you'll find the story of the prodigal son. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son goes and he squanders everything. He's the sinner. And the other son, he stays at home in the father's house and he does everything that he ought to do. But by the end of the story, the son has come back. He's received forgiveness. He's been changed. But the other son is grumping in the field, pointing at his brother, saying, why are we celebrating over him? And then if you go on in Luke chapter 18, Luke does the same again with a Pharisee and a tax collector. Everything is overturned. Again, you would expect it would be the Pharisee who would be praised for his spirituality and his great understanding of how this God works. And lo and behold, Jesus flips it again and says, actually, it's a tax collector who's beating his chest, asking God for forgiveness. It's a great reversal. And in contrast, this woman's heart is wide open, open to Jesus. His sin is exposed. His heart is closed. But her heart is open and generous and godly. Why? Well, Jesus tells us at the end, because she knows she's been forgiven. People of God, in Christ we are forgiven. Just in case you missed it. You're forgiven. Whatever you still keep racking up in the filing cabinet of your mind or your heart about what has been, Jesus forgives us and he invites us to live into this open-hearted love. Her heart is open and generous. In this story, the unforgivable are forgiven. The outsider is brought inside. Everything has changed. And her testimony shows it. Her testimony shows that she knows she's forgiven. The Pharisee, he points to her to put her down. But Jesus points to her to lift her up. She understands this forgiveness that comes to us from God in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness. 
And her story is beautiful. Her testimony is visible to, for all to see. In spite of the judging eyes, not just from the Pharisee, but probably from the crowd who are there as well. Her testimony is visible for all to see. Demonstrated in this costly act of love and worship. She takes this alabaster oil, which is costly both in terms of financial cost, but, but also costly for her. Costly because when she enters this place, she runs the risk of humiliation, of being asked to leave, of being excluded all over again. But forgiveness has transformed her so much that the cost is worth it just to express her love and worship to Jesus from whom she has received forgiveness. And so it's demonstrated for all to see that bold decision to enter the Pharisee's house. Now, let, let me explain something to you. In, in Jesus' time, um, they didn't have the kind of culture we have. The privatization of houses is kind of a Western thing. Houses in, in first century Judea were open. People walked in and out of each other's houses all the time. Uh, even strangers could walk in and out of your house. And the poor could come and walk in your house if you were rich. And that seems odd to us, but there was an openness. But it's what is going on within the woman herself. That, that boldness to say, I, I, I can walk in here, but I might be asked to leave. But I know Jesus is in there. And I want to go and express my love, my worship, because I'm forgiven. And she does it extravagantly. All that she has, it's costly. There's an outflow of the forgiveness that she knows is true. And that outflow is the outflow of love and worship to Jesus. The connection between the God of love who forgives and then in our forgiveness, we experience the love of God and we share it around. This is the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness from God. The sadness of that confession. I have no one to forgive me. Well, it's not true. It is not a true confession. That out of the love of God, he brings forgiveness. That changes us and releases us into a new story, a new testimony of love and adoration to Jesus and to others. But I want to know one last thing before we have some testimonies this morning, who will, I'm sure, demonstrate us far better than I can explain it. Everything has changed for this woman in her forgiveness. But Jesus shares a small mini parable in the midst of all of this. And if we went through that story, and if you've been around the church for a while, or you've read, you know, the Gospels, you'll recognize that this little mini parable is a much wider or longer parable in another part of Scripture, where Jesus talks about a money lender who lends money to two people, a large amount to one and a small amount to the other, and that he, he writes off both debts. And in writing off both debts, Jesus says, which one will 
be more thankful? Which one will, will be more grateful? And of course, they all say, well, of course, the one who's had most written off. And you know, that, that story was written or that story was told in response to a question about forgiveness. Jesus asking, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister? The answer, seven times 70. But Jesus tells this parable. And we have a many version of it in this story here. And so I feel it would be remiss of me not to say that one of the outflows of being forgiven is that we become forgiving. The forgiveness is not just to us, but through us. It's not just for us, but from us. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say it is wonderful for us to receive forgiveness. But if unforgiveness resides in our heart, it will damage your heart. And that there must be an expression of forgiveness to others as well. And I know that that's not easy. And we'll hear some testimonies of that this morning. But unforgiveness in our heart will destroy us from the inside out. Let me read you from Matthew 6, 15. Following the teaching of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Folks, I, I don't know if you ever asked this question. There's a book called, What If Jesus Was Really Serious About What He Said? What if He Was Really Serious? You know, one of the things that I've noticed in pastoral ministry when I talk with people is how many of us have unresolved unforgiveness in our lives. And we've heard messages about receiving forgiveness and we've received forgiveness, but we, we can't get to that place or we won't take ourselves to that place of forgiving others. And so we live with unforgiveness. Sometimes it's in minimal ways, sometimes it's in big ways. And I don't want to play down the difficulty that there can be in forgiving other people. But what I do know is that it causes great damage to, to keep and hold unforgiveness in our lives. It eats us from the inside out. And it diminishes our life of love. And it diminishes our faith. And it diminishes our relationship with God. And God longs to move in our heart in ways where he will give us what we need. But perhaps there are times when we need to choose forgiveness even when we don't feel like it. And so I want to say, yes, we are a forgiven people. Hallelujah. But I also want to say, but let's be forgiving people. And sometimes we have to choose that every day. Even when we don't feel like it. But somehow in our choosing every day to do so, God begins to shape and change our heart with his divine love. And so I want to say, God forgives you. But let me step in to the gift of that forgiveness and love and begin to live out that forgiveness to others in our own 
ways. Forgiveness to us must lead to forgiveness through us. This is testimony. Both are testimony. And we don't want the power or hold of unforgiveness to be in our lives. It's crippling, isolating, draining, damaging, festering, where bitterness gets a root in resentment and anger. That's not what God has for you. But the power and hold of forgiveness, oh, that'll change the way you live with that open-heartedness, not a judgmental, this kind of woman, but an open-heartedness to God and to others. And that's testimony. And so I'm going to invite two people to join me at the front who are going to share something of their testimony this morning about both being forgiven, but also of offering forgiveness. So Jacques and Margaret, would you come to the front and uh, let's welcome them as they come and join us. Everyone over this side can see. You see past me? That's good. Uh, well, first of all, I, I mean, thank you both for being willing to share uh, testimony this morning. And uh, yeah, I, I want to take uh, a little bit of time, a little extra time than we might normally for, uh, for one single testimony. Uh, and so we can hear a little bit of their story. So I'm going to start with uh, you, Jack. Um, and Jack, I want to take you back to your younger days. I, I've heard a little bit of your story. Uh, but when you first came to faith in Jesus and experienced God's forgiveness, can you share with us or explain to us the power of God's forgiveness at that time in your life? Yeah, so in my late teens and early 20s, um, I became heavily involved in... Uh, um, uh, gang culture, as in my country where I come from, because of civil war, you know, there were lots of uh, gangs around. Uh, before I knew it, I found myself in one. And uh, so this was like, you know, uh, it involved violence, drugs, alcohol, and very unhealthy uh, life choices, shall I say. And uh, at that time, uh, I, you know, there, there was no escape at all. I was such a prisoner to these things until, of course, I was introduced to Jesus, uh, which uh, at that time, uh, because I was, you know, well-known uh, around uh, the country as this not not notorious, like, uh, gangster, you know, so when I was, uh, uh, I was taken, invited to church, this is where I came, uh, shall I say, face-to-face -face with the power of forgiveness, even though I thought uh, I knew of it, but... Uh, I have never, you know, until you encounter uh, the forgiver, which is Jesus himself, you know, so right there in front of me, uh, you know, the message was preached just like you just done, so humbly, so simple, and, and do you know when the message is uh, preached and sometimes you just wonder, has someone been speaking to this preacher about me? How do you know about me? It's like everything he was saying was like uh, all, all to me. But somehow, I guess, God was speaking to me 
uh, through him. And uh, before I knew it, I uh, uh, made myself uh, available. Uh, I made my way to the altar uh, call uh, where uh, I, I just face to face with Jesus. You know, uh, basically, it was like, uh, uh, this is it. You messed up big time. You know, uh, I, I, only I can set you free. So this is your chance. You say yes to me or you're going to remain in your uh, captivity forever. But I'm so glad I did. And, uh, and it was so life-changing that, obviously, I've never even forgotten the date. It was the 24th of August, 1994. I mean, that date is like forever embedded in my spirit because from that day, because of the power of forgiveness, I became a brand new person. Thank you so much, Jack. And with that, we close the service, I think, really. <laughs> now, um, Margaret, uh, your story of forgiveness starts quite some time ago um, in relation to your first husband. Yes. Can you share with us a little about that relationship and how it impacted you? Well, first of all, I have to say I was a Christian from an early age. My mum had a strong faith and was a real influence in my life. She taught me what the power of prayer can do and in trusting God to take me through the storms of life that Jack spoke about last week. So at the age of 12, a friend of mine had said to me, would I go to the Nazarene church in Motherwell, a small tin church. There was going to be a speaker there and she wanted me to go and hear him. Now, I, was, I felt I was a Christian, but I had never really given my life to Jesus. And that night at the Nazarene church, I did give my life to Jesus and I decided I would follow him. Now, my mum and dad, they were Church of Scotland, but they were good Christians. But I chose to go to the Brethren Bible class. And I then decided I wanted to be baptised. So at the age of 15, I was baptised. Now, this is where I met my first husband, who was also baptised and was a Christian. So at that point, we, we got married. We got married early. I was only 20 at the time. And I thought we, were, we had a lovely house to go to, everything you needed. And that was quite rare in those days. And we were Christians and I thought, what could ever go wrong? Well, two weeks into my marriage, I realized that he was going to control me. I wa he wanted me to go somewhere that I didn't want to go to, and I said, no, I wasn't going, and he said, yes, you are. And I said, no, I'm not, and... The next was, I was punched to the ground. 
So that was two weeks into my marriage. And I just wondered what was happening to me. Um, he then said, we're not going back to the assembly. Well, that was easy because we had moved to another town, so it wasn't really noticed all that much. Anyway, two years into my marriage, I had a daughter, and then another four years later, I had a son. But by this time, my husband was drinking. And that went on for nine years. Um, it really got worse. Um, he was drinking, he had other women in his life, which he denied and told me that I was imagining it and I was mental. And so I had all this going on in my mind as well. And um, it, it was very, very difficult for me because I ended up really a nervous wreck with it all. And I was on strong medication. It was affecting my daughter and she had to be sedated before he came home at night. Well, it, it reached the point where one night um, he came home and he was in a bad mood. And he was, by that time, a really violent alcoholic. He grabbed me and he put me up against a wall and he was trying to strangle me. And by the grace of God, I managed to get free. He was a very strong person. I was very weak. But God got me out of that situation and I ran for my life. I realized then that I had to do something about it because my fear was that the children would be left with no mother and he would be in jail for what he had done to me. So I planned running away with my two children. Um, and I went to an aunt up in Canoostie, it happened to be away out of the road so that he, he couldn't get me and he wouldn't find me. So I was there for a wee while and then I ended up having to come back down and stay with my mum and my dad. And that was very difficult for them. Um, the impact was enormous. I was now a single parent and that was frowned upon in those days. I got a divorce 11 months later on the grounds of adultery. And then I had a label round my neck as a divorcee, which again, people frowned upon. Um, we, we ended up that... Um, we had very, very little to live on. We had to start again. And um, it was a big, big struggle. A big struggle. 
I mean, first of all, Margaret, I think we want to say thank you for sharing. Honestly, we're going to come back to your story in a, a little moment, yeah. give you a few moments to catch your breath again. Yeah. Because it, that's not the end of the story. No, That's no. a painful bit. So we'll, we'll, no, we'll come no. back to that in just a few moments. But yeah. I want to thank you for, yeah. for your honesty with it. We'll get, let's go back to you, Jack, just for a few moments. Um, you've spoken about forgiveness when you first came to faith. But it's not just about when we come to faith. How has forgiveness from God continued to be significant for you later on in your life, through life, uh, even, even now? Um, yeah, uh, so when I became a Christian, uh, from that moment on, um, I, I, knew, I knew I had some uh, kind of issues uh, which had roots, you know, uh, like such uh, issues such as anger and, and bitterness and frustration. I, I was so reactive somehow, even though on that particular day I became a Christian, you know, God filled me with the Spirit and filled me with such joy, but somehow I found myself reacting, you know, but little did I know deep inside of me there were embedded, you know, uh, issues which hadn't been resolved yet. You, you, know, you know, like Lazarus, you know, uh, he, he's resurrected, but he, has, he still had a grave clause around him because Jesus said, you know, uh, untie him. So there were lots of grave clause around me which I knew nothing about so uh, so from that moment you know I, I, I just saw all these things because a life of a gang obviously you're so uh, uh, you're, you're so vigilant you, you react you know you kind of survival is either you know uh, kill or be, be killed you know not, not like I did that but it was that kind of life you know um, but uh, uh, so it was kind of those issues I was uh, dealing with. But, uh, you know, uh, but God in his grace, he was just continuing to teach me uh, how uh, to uh, uh, forgive others, uh, to react uh, differently, uh, you know. So mm -hmm. by him, uh, obviously, by experiencing his forgiveness, uh, you know, Jesus was extending, you know, uh, his grace to me. And that step by step, that was teaching me uh, how uh, to do that to others, which, which, which was such a challenge. Even to this very day, 28 years later, uh, well, 28 years in a month's time, because it was 24th of August. Today, today is the 24th of July. Anyway, in one month's time, maybe 28, you know, I'm still a work in progress, you know? So, yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you, Joy. <laughs> Margaret. You had time to draw your breath. Yes. Good. <laughs> um, Margaret, it was some time before you married again, and uh, there maybe are uh, obvious reasons for that, but what's your memory of how God was with you through that time? Well, <clears throat> my main reason for the time, you know, lapse of... Um, before I got married again, was that I felt the children had been through such a lot and I didn't want to introduce another man into their lives. Their father had got no access um, to them, but the trouble was that we were stalked 
and watched for years. And that was really frightening, but I trusted in the Lord for protection, and we got that. Um, sadly, my dad died in the midst of all of this, but my mum, she was a great help and support to me, and she did her best to help us all over the way. But you did eventually find her. A, a man and a new husband, and that was an altogether different story, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was 22 years later that I married Alec, who was not a Christian. He was a good, good man. I was so happy. Life had changed for me. I was loved. I was cared for. And Alec would have done anything within reason um, for me and my children, who were grown up by this time. Sadly, Alec was taken from us suddenly. He suffered a heart attack while out walking in Glendevon and I had to go searching for him, along with the police. I was really devastated at the loss. We'd only been married, and once again, it was nine years. I remember so vividly calling out to the Lord. I was standing in my living room, calling out to the Lord for help. And I remembered Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And something happened. I felt his arms around me, lifting me up. It was a feeling I'll never forget. I knew he was with me and would give me the strength I needed. I thank the Lord for blessing me with a good marriage, something I had never experienced first time around. Yeah. Margaret, I'm going to stick with the question for you. In some ways, you know, we're talking about testimony today, and there's something about even that testimony of, you know, Margaret's sense of God and what God did in her. But although there was a lot of joy in your marriage with Alec, in our conversation when we, when we were speaking about this, you said that even after that there were echoes of unforgiveness about your first marriage and from your first marriage, in spite of the fact that we're sitting here listening thinking, what an incredible woman and what faith and isn't God amazing, but, but you sensed there was echoes of unforgiveness from your first marriage yeah. that God had to deal with, and that didn't happen until more recently, God no. dealing with that. Can you yeah. tell us what happened and what brought you into this new place of forgiveness? Well, this was the most difficult thing I knew I had to do. At first, I really wanted revenge. And I knew that was the wrong thing. And I had to get rid of that. And I prayed about that, 
And I heard God speak the words, that's not your place. And I got rid of those thoughts quickly. But forgiveness was much harder, you know, and that took longer. Um, I, by this time, was attending our church here in Trinity. Um, the sermons, well, constantly, I heard forgiveness being preached, and I'm sure it was aimed at me. And in a clear voice, I knew I had to forgive the man who had caused me so much pain. You see, forgive, I looked at the concordance, means to pardon, to excuse, to no longer blame or be angry with someone who has done you wrong. I was damaged and I was wounded and I needed healing. The only way I could forgive was with the help of our Lord Jesus who reminded me, forgive as you have been forgiven. So, um, yeah, as you had said, Ian, it wasn't a decision, it was actually an instruction I got from the Lord. Um, and I knew I had to obey that. Because um, after so many years, I was free from so much resentment and anger. And I was healed. And I thanked the Lord for delivering me from that place of unforgiveness and filling me with his Holy Spirit. Yeah. There's, a, there's a phrase that... Uh, often I've come across and, and used, but it is that the first person we release when we give forgive someone else is in fact ourselves. And there was something new that happened within yes. you. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, yes. Well, oh, I, I, I love the beautiful words, Ian, that you use um, at the end of your emails, grace and peace. Mm. And it was by the grace of God that I um, got away that night and the grace of God that set me free and the peace that I received through forgiving was just amazing yeah, yeah. 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 thank you Jack final question uh, to you uh, we're talking today about both forgiveness to us but also through us or from us to others and it's an essential part of our life with, with God. How has this side of forgiveness, the extending forgiveness to others, been important for your life? Uh, in what ways? Uh, <clears throat> so to rewind a little bit, um, a little story. Um, uh, my parents separated when I was eight. And... Um, uh, my father divided the family, you know, five of us boys. And so uh, my mom took the three younger siblings and my dad took 
uh, two of us, uh, my brother John and I. Uh, he was 10 and I was 8, and we went to live um, somewhere else, up country, away from where we lived before, uh, uh, with uh, a new woman uh, who became my stepmom. Uh, but uh, she, she, was, uh, she was a widow as well, so she, was, she owned a house and all these things. So basically, she was the boss, you know. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, so we went to live with her, and uh, so that was the beginning of yeah, my shocking, uh, uh, shall I say, uh, maybe horrendous uh, cruelty. You know, I mean, as a child, I would never have expected to, uh, to live that kind of life, but uh, she was uh, so bad uh, to uh, John and I. Uh, things go so bad that within a year, we got chucked out of the house. You know, uh, uh, I couldn't go into details, but uh, anyway, we ended up on the street, uh, John and I, uh, fending for ourselves, you know. And uh, so, yeah, we became street, uh, street boys. And, uh, and what was more difficult that my dad couldn't do nothing about it, you know. Uh, so all that, uh, I guess, th this is now where I trace the anger and bitterness and frustration. You know, so that's where the root uh, began anyway. Uh, so, uh, so John and I, uh, fend for ourselves, uh, uh, we carried on that life until uh, the late teenage years. Uh, I, I mean, we really practically fend for ourselves. I mean, we even ended up later on uh, in life uh, renting a wee room. I mean, we were selling peanuts on the street. Uh, I mean, I love walking. Because I walk all my life, you know, that, that's my favorite thing to do. I walk to work, you know, everywhere. I just love walking. I don't climb hills. Don't, don't invite me to climb hills, but <laughs> I, I just love walking in, in flat area. Anyway, eh, so, eh, yes, eh, so, I mean, life was challenging, but somehow eh, we, we go through that. But obviously, because you're striving for eh, identity and a sense of belonging and survival and fighting, all these things, that's how I ended up in the gang. Uh, but uh, as I say, uh, because of these things that happened in childhood, uh, that's why uh, even from the moment I became a Christian, I was reactive, you know, so that was because of those roots I was talking about. Uh, so suddenly I knew now I have to do something about it because uh, th this woman I have not seen or spoken to since I got chucked uh, out of her house. And it was in later years after I became a Christian, you know, I knew God was challenging me. I, I had to extend uh, that forgiveness for her. But, but, but that was like uh, such a fight, such a battle. But I remember uh, God actually uh, telling me, you know, is my power uh, through you. Uh, kind of the way to describe it to you is like, if, you know, you, we've got electricity in here, there is power source that comes from SCC somewhere. Even in your own house, you've got a wee a box, which is like the power source, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, it, it, you can't call the SCC people and say, hey, come and switch on my light. No, you can't do that. You yourself have to go and click things on. So God was saying, you have to do this yourself, but you need to make sure you're connected to the source of my power. So he reminded me that first day, the 24th of August, I encountered the power of forgiveness. Like, oh, oh, 
okay, yes, please help me because I, ca I can't do it myself. Please. So it's, uh, just be plugged into me anywhere. And uh, so lo and behold, I went uh, uh, to see the, uh, the stepmom, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, sometimes you think you're waiting for them to apologize, but, but that will never happen. That will never come. So never even think you wait for their apology because that never comes. But I had to do it anyway. But I, I feel like I, I was kind of a prisoner, you know, like, like actually I learned somewhere that bitterness and anger can cause some illness. Mm. Some people are ill because of unforgiveness. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Anyway, but it was true. Uh, but uh, when I went uh, to see her, uh, and uh, she was so surprised to see me, uh, but somehow in my heart I have decided I'm going to do it uh, with the help of God. So I went uh, uh, and chatted to her, and then uh, I said, I forgive you. You know, I mean, she was just looking at me, you know, but in my heart I knew something was happening. Anyway, we hugged. Actually, you won't believe it. Four months later, she became a Christian, and three months after that, she died. You see, you see, figure how God works, you know, mm -hmm. that's it. That's her in heaven. That's me free, totally, I mean, free in, I thought I was free indeed before that, but obviously I wasn't. There were still some grave clothes. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, and that was me free. I mean, I mean, joy became the thing, you know, I, I became the most joyful person ever, you know, I, I mean, in the past, you know, in the non-Christian life, Drugs will give you this buzz. This, it takes you in highs. They call, they, we call them highs. But this time, I felt these highs. I mean, in fact, I think it was around at that time, I think I was baptizing the Holy Spirit. I started speaking the new tongues and all that, you know. Things started to flow. So I became so free, I cannot explain. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but to, to this very day, obviously, because it's a battle between the spirit and the flesh, you know, things happen you know, people offend you, but straight away you just know, uh-oh, I can't go to sleep with this. That will cause bitterness. You know, sometimes you're grumpy uh, with your wife, uh, and then you don't, <laughs> you, you don't speak to them for two days. Oh. I, I, I am guilty of that. I mean, if you, re if you let it first, I can go on and on. But as soon as you listen to the voice of the Spirit, it's like, apologize. Apology. I mean, for us men, it's not easy to say sorry. I mean, it is it's something I keep working on and on and on. But, uh, you know, God in his grace definitely teaches me and, and humbles me. Uh, at some point I go and say, I'm sorry. And then I just feel so peaceful and so joyful. When you do it, it's so releasing. I mean, I mean, just humble yourself and say sorry. It's amazing. I mean, it's so awesome. Anyway. Jack, <laughs> thank you. <laughs>